Hi, I'm Jay Editing. And I'm Miles Stokes. And this is Hawk Talk, where we talk hawks. Or, you know, hawk-adjacent topics, which is to say, basically anything that's not X-Men. Yeah, so normally this is Jay and Miles explaining the X-Men, a weekly podcast about the ins, outs, retcons, clones, and time travel of comics' greatest superhero soap opera. But, uh, yeah, every fourth week we do an unscripted episode where we just do other things. And that's Hawk Talk. Now, we initially planned to do three weeks on, one week off. But then the pandemic started, and a bunch of people wrote us and basically asked, you know, if we could we could do something in four weeks just basically for the sense of ongoing continuity and, and normalcy. And we said, okay. And that's how Hawk Talk came to be. And over that time, we sort of worked through a bunch of broad topics like movies and TV shows, books. And... Then there was still a pandemic, and so we're we're at this point just kind of at the 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 spinning the random topic wheel that we entirely invented to justify this episode. So so today we're going to talk about vegetables. And I remember when you suggested this, Jay. I think originally it was because when we were talking about the three genders that we discovered in X Men: uh, hero, villain, and onion. And we talked about how we didn't know much about onions. You were like, "Well, let's just talk about vegetables." Yeah, um, I, so, that's, we are, we are actually going to do this today. We're going to, we're just going to do talk, talk about vegetables because it's that kind of week. But, uh, that said, if you have other ideas for, for topics or things you'd like to see Hawk Talk, talk evolve in, please, please click over to explainthexmen.com and drop those in the comments to this post. Yes, yes, we need that. Help us, listeners, you're our only hope, our only Hawk hope. But before we proceed any further, I do want to do our usual disclaimer that we usually remember to throw into Hawk Talk, which is this episode is unplanned, unresearched, and most importantly, unedited. So if it sounds weird, that's why. We normally sound much better thanks to our producer, Matt Hunter. Also, if you're just a random listener who had heard, hey, Jane Miles explained the X-Men is supposed to be pretty good, I want to hear about X-Men, maybe start with a different episode, one of the ones with a number in front of it. Yeah, you can you can identify the Hawk Talk episodes pretty clearly by virtue of the fact that all of the titles start with, you know, Hawk Talk. Indeed. So, okay, before we dive into vegetables, which I'm still skeptical whether we can make an interesting episode about this, but Jay, I trust you. I've known you for a long time. I trust you. I want to talk about perfect albums because uh, I was taking a shower this morning and I usually listen to music while I do. Sorry, neighbors near the open window of the bathroom. Um, and I was listening to the Cars' first album, and I think that's a perfect album. Like, every song on it is a good song. Like, you have to like the Cars, obviously, which I do. But I was thinking of other perfect albums, and I would say Pearl Jam's 10 is another one, where there's just not a dud on the entire album. And Jay, I was wondering, do you have any albums that you would consider to be that way? Off the top of my head, Clipping Splendor and Misery. I, I'm not familiar. It's incredibly good. Oh, Okay. Uh, cool. Like, what kind of genre is that? It is, um, it's hip-hop. It is a concept album. Um, it's a, a science fiction concept album. I believe at this point there's also a novella based on it out there in the world. Whoa. But it is phenomenally good. And I will say to, to, to appeal to those of you who, who are theater kids and not as the default, um, hip-hop kids, Clipping is, is David Diggs' primary project. Oh, okay. David Diggs from, like, Hamilton. Yeah, and a bunch of other stuff, but um, Clipping is phenomenal, and it is it is incredibly good, um, and Splendor and Misery is a terrific album. Great title, too. Yes. 
Okay, well, I'm excited to check that out. Like, yeah, uh, hip-hop has never been a direction I've gone very far in, although I've heard some cool stuff, actually mostly through you, Jay. And so um, it, it's a, a direction I'd like to expand a little, so neat. Anyway, vegetables. Actually, that segues really nicely, because one of the neat things about vegetables, among many neat things, vegetables are great. I am, I am pro-vegetable in general. I just want to put that out there in case this turns out to be, be an important stance to put on record. So- you're pro-vegetable as opposed to a pro-vegetable, in which case you would be a professional vegetable, which is actually a really fun phrase to say. Professional vegetable, try it. Professional vegetable, oh yeah, that is fun. It's, it's like the opposite of a tongue twister, it just kind of trips. Exactly. So, uh, listeners, if you'd like to pause the podcast and say professional vegetable, and then consider the choices that led you to listening to this episode in 2021, which is apparently 2020 continued, then now's the time. Not only is that fun to say, but a lot of vegetables have really fun names, which I'm going to actually loop around and make topical, because what I was going to say when you were talking about albums is vegetables are a very broad topic, and you can use them as a segue into a lot of other things. And specifically, I was thinking about vegetables when we we discussed this, not because of the onion thing, but because for some reason my wife and I had been trying to think of songs about vegetables that we knew of, specifically rock and roll songs about vegetables. And we each knew of exactly one. And she knew one okay. by the Beach Boys, whose title I do not recall at the point, and I knew Colony Vegetables by Frank Zappa. Right, and the chances are good. The vegetable will respond to you, rutabaga, rutabaga, etc. Right, which takes me again into, into you know, well-pronounced vegetable names, in this case, rutabaga, which that song spends a lot of time sort of just, just enjoying the sound of. Okay, so I'm sure we've told the story on the podcast at least twice at this point, but we can't not tell the rutabaga story right now. Which one? From our old job. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to tell that story. It's not that interesting. It, it just involved involved an extremely grumpy old woman coming up to me and getting really up in my face and just yelling rutabaga. I mean, that's pretty much the story. She was looking for rutabaga. It was amazing. It was a weirdly Monty Python-esque moment. But that's because rutabaga is a fundamentally humorous vegetable. That's something that Monty Python knew, it's something that Frank Zappa knew, it's something we know, and it's something that the writers of Flavor Text for Magic the Gathering know. I, I'm not familiar with, with a rutabaga referencing Magic card, and I've played a lot of Magic. Okay, so there is, I, I don't remember what card this is. One of us might be able to Google it while we're talking. If you want to, if, if you want to, while I'm talking, you can mute my, your mics, there won't be key noises, because it's a slightly longer story, but not actually that long, but long enough to Google it. I so, would, but I, I, since we don't edit, I don't actually know whether I can do that temporarily. Riverside FM is confusing. We'll just get some typing noises. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. I don't know. It's yeah, fine, enjoy the fine. typing no- noises. They're great. Pretend pretend they're the sounds of vegetables growing. I can tell you a story about that, too, later. Um, it might be a vegetable. Is rhubarb a vegetable or a fruit? Uh, I think it's actually a uh, an animal. Um, okay, I found the card. Uh, right, it is... so... Oh, go ahead. So, they play a game called Not Fun, Funny, Funnier. Um, where they'll take a category of thing that they know they're going to need to use in the card and come up with a, a not funny, funny and funnier thing. So fruits and vegetables, for example, not, not funny might be um, radish, funny banana, funnier, rutabaga. And that is how there is a card with the flavor text. Fetch the pest ritter, Paka. We've got dwarves in the rutabagas. What card is that anyway? That is Dwarven Miner from the old Mirage set, which I believe was a set that came out uh, after the first time I quit and before the second time I started playing. Right on. Yeah, I, I only remember that because it's from the same article about flavor text that involves my absolute favorite flavor text of all time, the sorry I burned down your village, here's some gold. 
Right, I love the idea of just taking the picture from this card, Reparations, where there's like this sad-looking priest person uh, offering a cart full of gold to some destitute-looking peasants, and just ask... It's almost With like the village a, burning in the background. Right, and it's almost like they just asked a random person on the street, okay, look at this picture. What do you think this guy's saying? It's, yeah, it's it's so literal, and that it's literal makes it funny, but anyway, rutabaga is, is canonically the, the funny vegetable. Yeah, I can't really think of a of a funnier one. It's true. Um, I can think of a more ridiculous fruit. So, dragon fruit. When you were a kid, did you just have these fantasies about how cool dragon fruit must be based on its name? No, I knew what it looked like. Oh, uh, I didn't. I just knew its name, and I thought it was amazing, and then I saw a dragon fruit, and it was fine. Kind of similar to star fruit. Star fruit, it turns out, is just really acidic with a weird texture. Oh, well, we had a star fruit tree in my yard, so that I knew. Or, we didn't, but a, a friend of ours did. Um... But, dra no, dragon fruit is awesome. Dragon fruit looks like something that would be the result of a spell thrown at someone. I agree completely. I'm just saying. I wanted it to, like, fucking fly and shoot fire and stuff. Like, it's what's left after a wizard casts something really big and explosive at you. Like, there's just a dragon fruit sort of wobbling where you were standing. <laughs> I'm pretty actually, sure I've been in actually, that D &D you know, campaign. brings up a subject I feel like we're going to have to address at some point in this conversation, which is vegetable fruit dis disambiguation, because there are a lot of things that kind of sit at the cusp. True, true. And a lot of things that really should be one, but are the other. Like... I understand tomatoes are fruit. I'm kind of mad at that fact. They they shouldn't be. That's not how you use them. All right. So I'm I'm googling the difference between fruits and vegetables right now, and it's just that fruits contain seeds. So a fruit develops from the flower of the plant, while other parts of the plant are c categorized as vegetables. Wait a minute. Does that mean Apocalypse is a fruit? He's got a death seed inside him. Yes. Yes. And so it Archangel does. Archangel's also a fruit. Which I mean, I think you know there have been allegations and. Uh, well, no, no, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely precisely the color of blue raspberry artificial flavored things. Does that mean that Apocalypse himself is behind blue raspberry? Is he also perhaps behind that one candy cane Christmas box we got that had the flavors uh, cherry, orange, lemon, and green? Oh, those were amazing. I, I still, like, they, I, I checked again. I think those were Jolly Rancher candy canes. Oh, no, they were the Skittles ones. They were the Skittles ones. I double-checked, and they, they, they did actually give green a flavor in, in subsequent years, at which I was deeply disappointed because, God, that was so funny. Well, and the fact is it tasted green. It just tasted straight-up green. Oh, yeah, it's like Mountain Dew Code Red's flavor is red. Exactly, you know, and Archangel's flavor is blue raspberry. Listeners, if you have not tasted Mountain Dew Code Red, which is fine, I don't recommend it, it's really unsettling because it tastes exactly the same as red fruit roll-ups, which is, it's not a bad flavor, but it's a flavor that's so specifically associated in my mind with one texture that consuming it in carbonated liquid form just sets off every alarm bell in my system that something is not right here. Like, that's, that's the glitch in the Matrix that you're detecting, the idea that reality is wrong? Exactly. So, like, presumably red is also a fruit. Peppers, I, I accept as fruits. And now that I know the structural difference, that makes a little more sense. So eggplants are also fruits. I feel like eggplant, eggplant might be the funniest fruit visually. I mean, there's also certainly context there. Like, in terms of emoji, it's just a dick. Or the, the, the funniest, I guess, functional vegetable. So, there, you know, there are fruits that are functional vegetables. So tomatoes, peppers, um... Eggplants, and so forth. Cucumbers, I guess. What about vegetables that are functional fruits? I'm sure those exist. I don't know. I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. We established this. We don't know much about onions. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Onions are definitely vegetables. Onions are root vegetables. Uh, or characters in Steven Universe, as one of our listeners pointed out. Or characters in Steven Universe. That is also true. Or ogres. Yeah, oh man, Shrek. That is a movie that has not aged very well. No, no. The book is amazing, though. I always forget that's based on a book. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but it's, it's by William Steig, who's terrific and responsible for some of my all-time favorite picture books. Okay, I, I'll add it to the endless list of media. I've, I've never read it. It's intense. Um, so, there, there, it, there's a lot going on in it. It's definitely a lot darker than the movie. I, I believe it. Uh, and probably with less Smash Mouth, but I mean, you know, that goes without saying. We can saying. dream. Yeah. So here we are, how many minutes into this episode about vegetables? And I think we've talked about vegetables for maybe 15% of it. Well, vegetables have been the starting point for the whole thing, though. Because, again, vegetables are exceptionally versatile, which is part of what makes them so awesome. So I feel like we should, let's actually talk about vegetables. And I feel like the obvious place to go here is favorite vegetables. So what's yours? Uh, broccoli. I'm going to go for broccoli. I have enjoyed it since I was a kid. Um, when I was a kid, my brother and I um, apparently had a name for broccoli. We had a name for cauliflower. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of a friend and his brother. It gets sort of hazy after a while. You know, that was a long time ago. But they were respectively slime trees and ghost trees. That sounds like it could have been any, any number of people we knew. But yeah, uh, broccoli, I, I think uh, preparing it in almost all of its forms, it's great. It is an excellent addition to any savory dish. I just want it on all the things. Broccoli on pizza, highly underrated. Uh, my fiance and I have been getting broccoli, black olive, and pineapple uh, and pepperoncini pizza lately, which sounds freaking weird. I think it's great. Weird and great aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. So do you tend to be a cooked broccoli guy or a raw broccoli guy? Uh, generally speaking, cooked. Um, raw broccoli, it's, it's a bit of a task, you know? Like, that's that's a lot of crunchy chewing to, to get through. It's time-consuming, and I'm uh, very lazy often. Well, it doesn't have nearly as much flavor, I find, as cooked broccoli, or its flavor isn't nearly as balanced. Yeah, at that point, it's really more of a vehicle for some type of dip. Like, I'm not Midwestern enough for ranch to be my go-to, but uh, blue cheese, excellent. Um, really hot sauce, just goes on anything. I know that might also sound weird, but hot sauce on broccoli, kind of dig it. If you want to do something with tiny trees, I feel like cauliflower is a better raw choice. But um, as for me, my favorite vegetable is is another controversial for children vegetables. I am a huge fan of Brussels sprouts. They're freaking great, but I, I get it, though, because, like, if they're prepared badly, they're awful. They are the worst vegetable. True if that. they're prepared well, they can be one of the best. But either way, they're going to be a little more bitter than most kids are probably going to be into. But we as adults have burned out our taste buds enough. You know, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think if you roast and caramelize them, they really lose pretty much all of that bitterness. Oh, okay, okay. I also appreciate about Brussels sprouts that um, the way they grow, they just look like some kind of a weird medieval bludgeoning device. They're like these big stalks full of Brussels nodules. Oh yeah, when they're in season, sometimes you can buy them on the stalk, usually at places like Trader Joe's. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever seen them on the stalk anywhere else. And yeah, they, they look like either siege weaponry or, like, some kind of instrument involving a lot of tiny bells. Yeah, I, I think the next zombie movie we have should take place in a grocery store. The characters should have to arm themselves with produce, and we will find quickly that Brussels sprouts are probably the best way to smash a zombie's head in. Right on. So yeah. I love those, and if we're going into fruit as vegetables, bell peppers have been a favorite for pretty much my whole life. Yeah, I remember when we used to live together, like, red bell pepper was a, a frequent ingredient in many things. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's really good. I think it's got a lot of depth and sort of complexity of flavor. It works very well raw and very well cooked. 
it also always made me happy as a kid that uh, they would sometimes sell bell peppers, like with a red, a yellow, and a green, and it looked like a traffic light. And that was funny because it was peppers, but it was a traffic light. I was a simple child. Apparently. <laughs> um, okay, so we're in a pandemic. I feel like we've all been cooking more. Have you had any vegetable discoveries during this, uh, this period of woe? So I am not only in a pandemic, but I am in a pandemic staying with people who are avid vegetable gardeners. So... For a second, it sounded like you were going to say avid vegetables. No, no, they are avid vegetable gardeners. So I've gotten to try a lot of really cool stuff as a result of that, and also just fresh forms of a lot of stuff. But I think the best discovery I've made via my in-law's garden is probably dragon beans. I mean, that sounds awesome, but then again, so did dragon fruit. And while it is awesome, it wasn't as awesome as I was hoping. So what about dragon beans? Yeah, they're just really, really delicious. They have a lot of flavor. They've got a really interesting flavor. They're a little bit more acidic than I would expect beans to be. Um, I'm not quite sure. I don't really have good language to describe the subtleties of bean flavor. This is, this is something that is missing from my, my functional vocabulary. I, I feel like that just goes in your business card. I don't really have good language to describe the subtleties of bean flavor. Jay Edidin. No, no, that's really not the kind of thing you want on your business card. You want to have you, you want people to assume that you do have that capacity so that you can study on it real hard till it comes up. I don't know. I mean, I think that makes you seem very humble and human and down to earth. I guess. <laughs> I so mean, onwards, I would hire you. Onwards to vegetables and discovery of vegetables. Something I have really missed during the pandemic is farmers markets because I really love to go to farmers markets and buy unfamiliar vegetables. Yeah, yeah, completely agreed. I mean, for me, unsurprisingly, I just like being around so many people at once who are all having a good time doing weird stuff. But yes, that was definitely a benefit of farmer's markets as well. Vegetables. <laughs> and what enabled me to do this, because I used to be really, really cautious about it, because I'd get things, I'd only get things that I knew what to do with. But then I found this really awesome vegetable cookbook that has, has become this massive gateway to being comfortable trying new vegetables or, or obtaining new vegetables without necessarily knowing what I'm going to do with them. So I'm going to talk that up for a minute because it's a really good book. It was recommended to me by a friend, and I've probably used it more than any other cookbook at this point, and that is Vegetables Every Day by Jack Bishop. It's organized by vegetable. Each, each vegetable has kind of an introductory section, and then the recipes in each vegetable section are organized from the simplest ways you can prepare the thing to more complex recipes. So for every single one, there are like one or two really basic, just the vegetable. You can do this if you have like a pot, mm -hmm. which is great. That is handy, and because that's always been a challenge for me. I am not a uh, an experienced cook. I've been getting a little better, but yeah, just having instructions for, no, here's how to do the really basic shit, because let me tell you, just winging it has gone poorly for me in the past. I've made some truly inedible stuff. And some dubious decisions that didn't necessarily relate to edibility. I, now I'm curious what you're referring to, unless I'm you're just talking about the, my life choices. No, I'm referring to the time you were going to cook ramen, um, and, in, and, and you saw, you know, boil water, so you filled the hot pot to the absolute top with water, and plugged it in and put it down on top of your computer. Okay, okay, to my credit, I was 18, I had been a very sheltered child who had never cooked, and it wasn't just me, it was also a friend of ours. We were both equally guilty. I mock you both from that's, the future. That's fair, I'm just glad my computer case was surprisingly well sealed. Oh yeah, it's funny because nothing was horribly harmed. Right, just my dignity, and it's gotten pretty tough over the years, what with all the injuries to it. Miles, it was college, none of us had any dignity. Yeah, but we thought we did is the thing. Did we? I, I thought I did. 
Okay, I mean that that we we clearly had very different experiences there. Uh, that that may be true. No, it's actually been uh, been kind of a cool opportunity to cook more. All right, I have an admission here. This is something that makes me feel a little guilty, but somebody gave us a Hello Fr- Hello Fresh membership like months ago. This actually worked out really well because it's helped me learn a lot of the basics of how to cook, and it's made the fact that shopping is complicated a lot easier. Yes, I know there's a ton of packaging, and that super sucks. I was what I was going to say is that's exactly why I've heard about it. Actually, that it's a really, really great, simple gateway for people who want to learn a lot of the basics of cooking and putting together straightforward meals that then they can apply more generally. Yeah, and it actually has been really good for that. Like now, just sort of internalizing some of the basics. Like now, every time I see a scallion, I want to thinly slice it and separate the whites from the greens, which gets really awkward if I'm just like at the grocery store and pull out the kitchen knife that for some reason I have on me, and then they have to drag me out, and it's it's not good. Oh man, scallions are great. They're one of my favorite things to have around fresh, too. Have you made scallion pancakes yet? Uh, not from HelloFresh, but I actually have in the past, yes. And yeah, that works super well. That kind of like savory, tangy, I don't even know what the word is. Like tart's not the right word. They're spicy. I guess so, yeah. So I, I will confess, I have not actually made scallion pancakes, but I've made a waffle version of them. You can waffle anything. We got this kick-ass waffle maker a while back, and we've just been waffling everything in sight. Like animal, mineral, vegetable, concept, rainbows, giraffes, whatever. Well, you you know you know my waffle proclivities that I will I will make waffles out of anything and at any any provocation. And this year for the holidays, uh, T and I got ourselves a copy of the cookbook Will and Waffle, which among other things had the the scallion waffles recipe. There's a cookbook about. Okay, I need to find that. That's amazing. Yes, waffle everything. You would love it. Um, one of the things I definitely learned from it is that you want to be careful about which recipes you use if your waffle iron doesn't have removable plates. Ours does, but I believe that. that Some stuff could be so hard to get out. Yeah, that's definitely near the top of my, my appliances I am going to buy when I'm at home, or possibly even before I'm home and just realize I'm going to have to take multiple carloads of stuff back because we've been here for like a year. In Connecticut? Yeah, it's... Oh, God, it's a lot. And again, I mean, we're, we're super, super lucky and privileged in that we have this place to go and that our in-laws have extra space and Wi-Fi and that we can both work remotely, but damn. Yeah, I know. It's, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's important to, to remember. It's the usual principle of just because other people have worse problems doesn't mean that your problems aren't also valid. And I feel like that's hitting in so many people in so many ways during this pandemic. Because, like, yeah, it certainly sucks for more people than for others, but it sucks for almost everyone on at least some significant quantity of levels. So vegetables. So vegetables. Vegetables. I like I like vegetables that are really simple to prepare. I tend to be a habit-based person. For me, when I am depressed, the the like easy this is something I can do that has nutrition and is not hard to make depression foods don't tend to be super vegetable focused. So I've tried to look for ways to work vegetables into them. And as a result of that, um, I am very very good at improvised stir fry. And knowing which vegetables are going to work in that. Oh, okay. So, uh, and I guess which fruits, because some vegetables are fruits, which still makes me mad. That is entirely true, and also because I am, I am allergic to some pretty common um, vegetable fruit type things, which is unfortunately why HelloFresh and produce shares don't tend to work for me. Between the two of us, T and I are allergic to pretty much everything that, that is in, in large autumn and winter packages. Like, we can, eat, we can both eat beets, and we can both eat, both eat onions, so we're okay there, but, like, she's allergic to literally all squash. 
there's so many squashes. We're both allergic to eggplants, and so it, it gets it gets complicated. So we, we can't really do stuff like HelloFresh because we would be throwing away half of what they sent us. But um, we have gotten pretty good at, at coming up with, with arbitrary and interesting combinations based on what's fresh and what's around us um, locally and, and stir-frying them and, and sort of improvising sauce for them. And stir-fry is great because, again, it's really straightforward. You basically cut everything up into fairly small, roughly equal pieces, put it in a pan at low heat, usually with a little bit of liquid, and cook it. And you stir it pretty regularly. You can do it in stages, you can do it individually. Doing uh, big containers of roast vegetables are another really good way to do that. You just chop up a bunch of vegetables, toss them with olive oil, stick them on a, um, a cookie sheet, ideally one with, with aluminum foil over it so you then won't have to wash it, and put it in the oven for a while. And it was a long time before I realized there aren't really recipes for these things. You can find recipes, but a lot of them are like, set the oven to 400, check on it every 20 minutes. This makes sense, yeah. You can't leave it for too long, because otherwise your vegetables uh, develop sentience and form societies and uh, start thinking of ways to rebel against you, and nobody needs that. Well, or you get a lump of what looks like the evil from Time Bandits. Don't touch it, it's evil! That movie traumatized me so much as a child. I feel like that's also come up on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. So speaking of childhood trauma, are there any vegetables you really dislike? At this point, no. Uh, as a child, though, uh, I hated mushrooms. Like, the texture was just weird, and I could not handle it. Raw mushrooms, cooked mushrooms, didn't matter. Are mushrooms a vegetable? I guess they're a fungus, technically, but they're, they're categorized as vegetables, you know? The okay. same way that eggplant and tomatoes should be. Okay, okay. So but, they're, uh, they're a culinary vegetable, if not a, a um, horticultural vegetable. Right, right. Like it's uh, like a cultural Jew versus practicing Jew. It's that kind of thing. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do cultural versus practicing vegetables. Exactly. But Orthodox <laughs> versus Reform vegetables. Maybe your Orthodox vegetables get weird. I tell you. And then some. I have mixed feelings about raw carrots. Really? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Like I like some. The ones I tend to like, I tend to like like heirloom carrots, like yellow and purple ones. I have liked more when I've had them raw than the standard orange ones, but I am not a huge fan of the standard orange ones raw, especially when they're like grated. Yeah, I feel like grated, that can work in one of those carrot raisin like picnic salad dealies and not, not a whole lot else. I don't know, raw carrots for me have become a real go-to because you can eat a lot of them and there aren't a whole lot of calories and so you get that satisfying chomp 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 without it being like half your meals for the day. Honestly, I think the texture might be what I have trouble with. They tend Too to crunchy. be like the hard crunchy thing in stuff they're in and it's a little disconcerting. Okay, that's fair. Everybody's got textures that don't work for them. For me, it's things that are uh, slimy. I have a lot of trouble with. Hmm. So, like, what would that what would that include? Um. Let's see. What was that fruit? There's this one fruit. Um. I don't think it grows in America, but it's like this custardy kind of off. Oh, sapote. Sapote. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was a peculiar experience. Right. Like the flavor is good, but the texture is just way too weird for me. I wonder how much of that is, is acquired. Like, I, I always wonder about that, because my parents have—I mean, my parents are how we tried sapote in the first place, but my parents have gotten very, very, very into what are, at least for their location in this Florida, exotic fruit trees. And um, so fruit trees that, that grow well in their climate zone, but, but which they wouldn't encounter otherwise. And I always wonder, when I try those fruits, 
how much of my reaction to them is just what I've learned to and gotten used to and how much of it is sort of instinctual human response. Okay, yeah, sort of like the ingrained uh, disgust reaction or fear reaction to certain tastes or smells or shapes. Right, like babies and children reflexively, instinctually do not respond well to bitterness because things that are bitter are usually poisonous. That probably explains why every time I give a baby an IPA, they hate it. Yeah, and that'll do it. Have you noticed that your tastes have, uh, like the types of tastes you go for, have changed as you've aged? They've definitely broadened over time. Like, I still okay. have a lot of the same favorites that I did in terms of bases. Like, when I was a kid, I loved tomatoes, loved mushrooms. I definitely still do. There are a lot of things that I've tried as an adult that I think I would have really liked as a kid. But um, I definitely I definitely like a wider variety of things, and I find that my reaction to new foods isn't as often sort of a flat like or dislike. Like, there's much more of a continuum, and it's it's much more of sort of a broad cloud of possible responses than, than even a simple like-to-dislike continuum. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe that's just that you've been uh, a media critic for too long, and now you just do that with everything. What was that Onion article, um, frazzled grad student finds himself deconstructing Denny's menu? Yeah, there's definitely some of that, but I mean, I think some of it, too, is that I, I have trouble with not liking foods because I'm so used to my primary judgment of a food being whether I can eat it safely. Because I have multiple really, really severe food allergies. And a lot of the time, if I'm in any kind of communal setting or any kind of restaurant, there's going to be a thing I can eat. And so it's not so much that my relationship with food is so complex as that my relationship with food is such that whether I default like a thing or would select it giving, given other options is largely not a relevant factor for me, or can't be under a lot of circumstances. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So I'd imagine there's that, that impetus to um, just sort of try to enjoy whatever is an option as much as you can. Yeah, it sucks. Like, there's a specific thing that, um, that my mother-in-law makes and that, 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 that my wife's whole family really likes, and that I, I wasn't really, like, I, I didn't, I, I had a lot of trouble conceptualizing my response to, and it took me, like, two months to realize I just didn't really like it. Okay, because that had stopped being a thing you were thinking about. Right, because it was okay. Like, I didn't, I didn't violently hate it. It didn't nauseate me. I wasn't appalled by it. I, I could eat it and feel that I had had a reasonably satisfactory meal, but I just did not like it. That makes a lot of sense when you're so inclined to... Uh you know, uh, suck the very marrow from whatever's available to, to appreciate that much. I've weird tangent, but I, I found myself looking at people that way sometimes. Like I spent so long, so desperate for attention and approval that I didn't really think much about whether I like how, what I thought of people and don't get me wrong. I still like most people, but it just wasn't something I even thought about, you know, when you're that, drawn to get everything you can from a given topic your own tastes almost stop being relevant yeah i mean i think what you're describing is is very different from what i'm describing which is not a a getting what you can from slash liking something it's just liking being irrelevant because you don't have a choice okay. like the the situation you the 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 human analog to the situation you're describing would be if you only had interpersonal contact with two other people and they were the only people 
I'm pretty sure that's the premise of like a bunch of sitcoms. Also basically of this pandemic. Also basically of this pandemic. God, I am so grateful to be uh around people that I really like. Like the the people I live with are are great and uh I, I wish everyone could have that. But yeah, like when I was a kid, people thought I was really, really picky. Adults thought I was really, really picky because they did not get things like that when I said I didn't like something because it made my my ears feel funny. What I was describing was the sensation of my throat closing up. Anaphylaxis. Right. So, um, so yeah, like even my definition of sort of what, what pickiness is and how it works relative to taste is is very, very skewed. Like I feel like I, I don't have a normal frame of reference for even describing that. Jeez, such a picky person, Jay, not liking things that might actively kill you. I know, right? No fun at all. <laughs> Yeesh. But uh, most vegetables won't. In fact, I don't, think, I don't think I'm technically allergic to any vegetables. Because eggplants are fruit. Right, because eggplants are fruit. Oh, okay. And, and peanuts are legumes and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so vegetables are my friends. Vegetables and entirely artificial substances are my friends. Anything that is grown from the earth or from a horrible, terrifying scientific lab. So Adam X, for instance. Yeah, Adam I don't know X if he's said. Yeah, he's not a vegetable to clarify. He was grown in a lab. But also from like Summers and uh Naramani DNA. It's a whole thing. We'll we'll get to it. I mean, I guess I guess we've already gotten to it. We will continue to get to it. We will get further to it. We're not gonna talk about X Men though, because it's it's this thing. Um it's, right, it's, it's just so hard not to make X Men references, like whether apocalypse is technically a fruit. So Okay, so do you consider potatoes a vegetable? See, that's a hard one, because you use them like vegetables, but you also just use them like potatoes. Like, they're a, right, are, they're a starch. They're starchy, they're, they're rooty, yeah, they're like, they're like a base for things. You know, I think of them, they're more in the carbohydrate type of category for me. But I mean, that's what most sugars are, too. Like, that's, that's what most vegetables are in general. I guess they have, they have other nutrients. I think potatoes have some other nutrients. I think they've got a lot of vitamin A or something. I don't know. I love potatoes, though. I am, I am deeply pro-potato. And, in fact, when we were when we were trying to learn learn some Czech before going to Prague, uh, Tia and I got really, really obsessed with... Well, we, we, had been, we had been generally fond of potatoes for a long time. We had... We had, we had potatoes were a, a, a sign of, of affection, a term of endearment among us. Um, but we, we were watching Peppa Pig in Czech, it's very basic. Okay, okay, that makes uh, it's sense. It's very, very basic language. And the episode that we stumbled across first was one that involved them going to, I believe, Peppa's grandparents' house for a meal. And they were really excited because one of her grandparents made this complicated thing involving potatoes. And, like, every third word on the show was someone just yelling, Brambori! And, and so that's, that's sort of just become the reflexive response to potatoes. It's just, Brambori! Well, that's a really good word, too. Yeah, one potato is a brambor. Brambor, brambori. Okay. Now I know 100% more Czech than I just previously had known. The One of the most popular street foods in Prague is, is, a, is a fried potato. Unfortunately, they are universally fried in sunflower oil, so I've never actually tried one. But Oh, yeah, the aforementioned anaphylaxis. I don't know what the Czech word for anaphylaxis is, but I guess you could have found out. I don't. I did, because I, I, I rewrote the little, hi, I am allergic to these things, please let me know if they're in what I just ordered so that I don't die cards that I bring to restaurants in check, but I don't, I don't actually remember what the word was. <laughs> well, that's why you write it down. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm a big potato fan. Uh, so we used to go to school in North Carolina, um, although I guess where we mostly grew up, Florida would have the same thing. So Waffle House. Waffle House is oh, a delightful, low-priced, questionable quality, depending on what you're looking for, restaurant. But the hash browns they had, you can get them ordered. And if anybody's like a Southerner or an East Coast person, they're going to be very familiar with this who's listening. But you can get them ordered with a whole bunch of different ingredients, each of which has its own kind of related name, like smothered or scattered or whatever. And in college, I would get Armageddon hash browns, as I called them, which was just every single ingredient you could possibly get. And I would invariably feel freaking terrible afterward but it was just so satisfying because potatoes are the ultimate vehicle for other flavors and textures they are they are even sometimes a vehicle for themselves so you get like the baked potatoes where you scoop everything out mix them with other things and put them back in oh man yes that's a good point like they potatoes are, are wonderful magical things i i feel like they don't get nearly enough respect like they're so basic but they're so important do you have a, a favorite uh potato variety you know i don't know if i do um i kind of like russets the the peel goes really well uh, if you're doing like a, 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 a not very smoothly mashed um yukon gold is just super versatile as yeah. an ingredient that's definitely my go-to and it's my favorite by far in a way to mash especially exactly that another great thing about potatoes mashing them is just satisfying oh man so here's here's my mashed potato tip which is that you add a little more cream or butter or whatever you're using as those two mashed potatoes, and you dump in some wasabi powder. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, you got me totally hooked on that stuff. I love wasabi mashed potatoes. Yeah, that is officially a family recipe in the my mom kind of came up with it on a whim at some point way. Well done, Robin. It's not actually a recipe either. It's just add some wasabi powder to your mashed potatoes and uh, add liquids or creaminess to compensate. I mean, I feel like a lot of recipes probably started that way with just sort of someone going, huh. I wonder what would happen if I did this, or, oh crap, I accidentally did this. Oh, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know wasabi mashed potatoes, like, that was a, a Thanksgiving sort of standby yeah, for you. Yeah, I mean, mostly because they're terrific. Mm-hmm. They can be in anything standby, really. I think there are a lot of Thanksgiving foods that are, like, that where, where in Thanksgiving is an excuse to make a specific thing that you like to make that's maybe a little more laborious than normal circumstances justify. Agreed. Or just something that is kind of inherently terrible, but you want anyway. Like, I gotta say, homemade cranberry sauce is wonderful, but the canned stuff that comes out in the shape of the can, also pretty great. Follow your weird heart. I do and I will. I'm just saying, like, if you want to have a, a, a full, full, full Thanksgiving, you gotta have both. And it's not like every person has one or the other. No, every person has some of each, because they are two different wonderful foods. I feel like we should just cut it off there. <laughs> <laughs> Talking Man, about I, fruits. I don't know. Episode. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked about a lot of things in this vegetable episode. There are a lot of things. Earth certainly is full of things. I was thinking the exact same thing. Man, the king of all cosmos knows where it's at. Uh, in some specific concepts. Topics. Well, he knows it's at Earth. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, here we are, um, many months into this pandemic, uh, running out of topics. I don't know, I hope everybody's doing okay out there. Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Get your vaccines. Vaccinate your vegetables. It'll be great. <laughs>